Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Today we are talking about Acts chapter 22, and today's conversation is part two of a two-part conversation with Pastor David Miles. If you haven't listened to chapter 21 yet, I suggest you go back and listen to chapter 21's episode first. It just sets up the rest of the conversation that we're going to have. You'll also hear Dr. Fox talk a little bit about the Greek word ethnos, and then Pastor David Miles is doing a little bit of a Bible study of how we see ethnos used in the New Testament. So really important to go back and listen to chapter 21 first before you go into this episode with chapter 22. Pastor Miles is also going to be covering a lot of Bible content. And so I've listed all the verses that he's going to go through in the show notes. And I also wanted to let you know that he's do, he's using the English Standard Version of the Bible so that you can follow along in the same translation that he's using. So if you've already gone back and listened to chapter 21, then let's go into my conversation with Pastor David Miles for Acts chapter 22. And so, so a lot of times people get confused and they say, oh, you're talking about race. This is social justice. It's, it's, it's not the gospel. Okay, turn over to Ephesians 3. I'm so into this. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 3. Okay. All right. So remember the beautiful thing. Well, before we get there. So chapter 211, it says, therefore, remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Now, you know the other thing, if there's a therefore, what's it there for? Okay. Well, it's going back to chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, where Paul is basically saying, At one time you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working the sons of disobedience, and we're carrying out the passions of our flesh. So basically what it says is we were imprisoned to what I call the three uglies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God doesn't sweep it underneath the rug, made us alive together in Christ. So Paul is like breaking this out. This comes after chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul says, for this reason. What reason? Well, in chapter 1, 3, verses 14, he talks about all the blessings that we have through God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. When he gets to 15, he's so overwhelmed by it, he has to pray. He has to pray that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to have spiritual eyes to see the hope to which we've been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the measureness of the greatness of his power to those who believe. But in chapter 1, he's saying God has, has done this according to the purpose of his will, the mystery of his will, and the counsel of his will. Mystery. Now let's go to three. When we we came to the end of chapter two, God's building us up into this temple. Chapter three opens, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. For what reason? What we just read in chapter one, that he took Jews and Gentiles. What that means, if you're listening today and you are not Seprahim, Mizraim, Ashkenazi, Bet, Ethiopian, Coptic, Jew, if you're anything else, we's, the we's here, mm-hmm. we are Gentiles. That's who is being spoken to. We are Gentiles. And Paul says, for this reason, what he just shared, I'm a prisoner on behalf of you Gentiles. But he gets to verse 6. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus. Through the, what's that say? 
Because they belong to Christ Jesus. Yep. So according to the gospel, Paul then goes in verse 7, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, which he was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for God in ages who created all things. So when you talk about race and ethnicity and you're talking about how God broke down the walls, that's not social gospel, social justice. It's not Marxism. It's not critical race theory. It's the gospel. Critical race theory came out in 1989. Jesus saved me in 1987, and I began addressing issues of race before it was even a conversation with other people. Karl Marx, he he was born in 1818. Let's just say he came out of his mother's womb, fully formed in his theology. Angela, you know what that means? It means the gospel of Jesus Christ has him by 1,785 years. Or if we Look at what Scripture says, that the gospel is eternal, that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. That means the gospel has all of this by eternity. And why do I bring this up? We really need to stop saying that CRT is an existential crisis to the church. You can say that if Jesus would not have uttered Matthew 16, 18 that the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. So we, we have to stop a little bit because we've given away like, like power. So I mean, the God of the universe, who in Christ, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, created all things and all things by which it's held together. Your last breath, your last heartbeat only happened because Christ held all things together. And I love Dr. Lizanne Winslow, who teaches in the biology department. And you have this little, the smallest element, Laminin, it's in the shape of a cross, Louis Giglio's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. So God testifies. Dr. Winslow has written two books on how creation testifies to Christology, not just general revelation. So you have the God in the universe who holds all these things together, and someone's going to come up with a theory, which is an educated guess. So an educated guess by a person that God, who holds all things together, is going to unseat the creator of the universe and his eternal gospel. Evolution was supposed to do it. It didn't. And as a person who's African-American who grew up in North Dakota, I can't tell you how many times when people find out, they will ask me questions about race and racism, and did I experience it? And it's like, yes. My first name is David, but for some reason, people thought my I had six letters in my name that started with N and ended with R. But... I've had atheists tell me, I don't want to talk about God. But every time they ask me, it's an open door to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. God took those who were far away and those who were near. He took those Gentiles and and Jews and he made them one because we both needed Jesus. And the gospel speaks so powerfully. So instead of it, all the various things, including critical race theory, It only shows how the gospel is truly the only answer. And so here you see see mystery. And so this is part of the reasons why in chapter 22, when Paul is preaching, that he ends up writing the prison letters because they thought he brought a Norwegian, an Iroquois, a Japanese man, 
a Liberian, an African American, a Belgian, a Mongolian, an Australian. And the Jews of that time thought that Paul brought one of those folks into the temple. And they said, he's got to die. And that's the gospel. I'm not even sure what to say, Pastor Miles. This, I, this was wonderful. I'm, thank you so much for, for threading that all together for us so that we can, so that we can be better, so that we can do better, and so that we can better understand the gospel message and understand the Christ and the Messiah who we follow. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing, Angela, is that God gives us a picture of what it looks like. Number one, Ephesians chapter 3 says in verse 10, after Paul says all this thing about him reaching out to Jews and Gentiles and the nations and ethnicity that God made, he says, so that through the church, the manifold, which is polypolykilios, which means technicolored, multifaceted, wisdom of God, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Great. So what's that mean? It means that when we gather together as diverse people from all these different nations, under the name of Jesus, that visible witness bears witness to the internal and visible um, authorities of heaven to the veracity and truth of Jesus's gospel. Or to put it another way, there was a pastor in Northwest Iraq, a guy named Mac. And one day after service, this Muslim man was walking out and he said, Pastor Mac, he goes, um, I don't know what to do with what happened today. And the man's like, you know, Pastor Mac, like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, well, first of all, the men and the women were worshiping together. That was strange. He said also, the families were worshiping together. The children were separated. The wives were separated. But he said what was really confounding to me was you had a Jewish person and an Arab person. You had an African-American and a Chinese person. You had a Brazilian person and a white man from America. And you had all of these people doing life together. And he said, I don't have any categories for that. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that here's the category. It says, Acts eleven nineteen, But when there were some of those men from Cyprus and Cyrene, Cyrene was North Africa, who on coming to Antioch spoke with the Hellenists, the Greek speakers, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and a great many people are added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Saul to look for him, and when they found him, they brought him to Antioch and go to the very end. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians, not a mono or homogenous church. These people were looking and saying, we don't know what to call y'all. We're just going to call you little Christ. Or as the 4th century emperor, Roman Emperor Trajan said, 
He said, oh, how the Christians love one another. So currently, when we do this, it's a visible witness to the church. But I like to tell people, fortunately, God has given us the end game. Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scrolls and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Said, by your blood. This is an atonement issue, which is a little bit different and a little bit more deeper than the melanin in our skin. Because we're 99.1% the same, Angela. The difference is I have a dominant gene. When it comes to melanin, you have a recessive gene. So through a process of melogenosis, when UV light, light hits me, my skin turns darker, your skin turns lighter. For albinos, their skin is white, and rats' eyes are red because melanin also impacts your eye color, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the differences. But he says, it's by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. What word is not there that we commonly use? Race. Bingo. And that's why I tell people, race is not a biblical word. So if you want to have a biblical conversation, let's have a biblical conversation. Now, Revelation 7, 9, same thing. And this is the part that we have to get. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, all tribes, people, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their voice. So again, race is not used. This is, this is all the nations, the Gentiles. But they're clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, they say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's the focus. It's about worship. It's the fact that God takes people in all their rich diversity that he made. And if you don't think culture and diversity matters, then Let's not talk about Jesus being Jewish. Jesus was born Jewish. And Galatians 4 says, at the right time, God sent a son born of a woman to redeem those under the law. He was born during the time of the Romans, so that after the Greek empire, when Alexander conquered the Medo-Persians and made these great roadways, so that when the gospel came out after Jesus died, there were already systems to allow the quick dissemination of Koine, common Greek. But it's saying that all of these diverse people, all of us turn around and we don't just say, hey, great, we're diverse. No, we turn around and we say, salvation belongs to you alone, God, because only you could make your grace filter through such diversity and allow us to be who you created us and yet redeem us for your eternal praise. And I tell people, if you get to heaven and everybody looks like you, eats like you, dances like you, talks like you, you might want to look for the exit doors that aren't there and smell for smoke because you might not be in the right place. And if you're like Pastor Miles, that's offensive. How can you say that? I didn't say that. Revelation 7, 9 said every tribe, people, language, and nation. So if you think yours is only going to be white, which is a word that wasn't created into a play in 1589 and first used in 1619 when in the Virginia House of Burgesses they were trying to decide in the Headright Act who to give free land to, and they changed it from Englishmen, Scotsmen, and they changed it to white. 
So I'm sorry, your gospel supersedes the last 400 some odd years. It's an eternal gospel. And I pray that the church, through God's word, would recapture the mission that God has called us and stand upon the authority of the gospel because we've been hoodwinked. And you got people running around here and saying, these conversations, they're not godly. The church is the only vehicle that God made through his gospel to address this issue, period. And he shed his blood for this reality. And I tell you, I sit and talk with all sorts of people that don't want to talk about God and don't want to talk about religion. And you start telling them and I tell them my testimony and I talk to them and they're like, that's not in the Bible. Then when you show them it's in the Bible, they're like, whoa, wait a minute, because it's the gospel. Thank you, Pastor Miles. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking us along that road and uh, making our making our gospel understanding wider and deeper. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for exalting God's word for our people. It's beautiful, Angela. Well, thank you for joining us for Acts chapter 22. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. We'll see you next time for Acts 23. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com. Music